From Nashville, Tennessee, Southwestern Family of Companies welcomes you to the Action Catalyst. Each week, we share insights and inspiration for movers and shakers in the world of business. Our goal is to help you increase your self-discipline, overcome procrastination, and help you to take action on all the things that really matter. Overcoming grief, getting through grief. How do we move on when terrible things happen? when bad things happen, right? You know, in this show, we talk so much about success and strategies to grow and improve and develop and build. But what about those moments when things completely fall apart and they completely crumble? How do you respond in those moments? And what do we do to, to, to make those moments mean something? That is what we're talking about here today. And I don't want to give away too much of this story, but you're about to meet a woman who is the mother uh, was the mother of a Navy SEAL, and she's going to tell you a story that is pretty emotional. Um, and and then she's going to talk about what it looks like to get through grief and, and how to transform grief into things that really matter. And at the end, um, I'm going to go through and I take, you know, what I learned from her story and, and translate it into what I think are just two simple choices, not easy, but two simple choices that everybody who gets through grief in a positive way that they make, but a lot of people don't make them. And, and if you're hurting or you know somebody who is hurting or going through something that's tough, I think this, this would be the episode to, to share with them. This would be something to, to forward along uh, and to hear it. So I, I hope that you enjoy it. Um, I hope that it I hope that it lifts you up and it inspires you. And we'll get started just after this message. This episode is sponsored by Southwestern Coaching. Southwestern Coaching has helped over eleven thousand people increase their incomes by over twenty five percent on average. As a successful salesperson, you know the importance of increasing your sales. But sometimes you might just need a little extra push and accountability to meet your goals and grow your business. Southwestern Coaching will help you increase your income through one-on-one sales and leadership coaching tailored specifically to your needs. Together, we will elevate sales. To schedule your free one-on-one business action planning session with a Southwestern Coach, go to www.southwesternconsulting.com forward slash action catalyst. The woman that you're about to meet, her name is Debbie Lee, and her son uh, was a Navy SEAL, and she is the founder of a of a company or not a company of a nonprofit called America's Mighty Warriors. And I'm not going to tell you anything else about Debbie other than she's amazing, and I think you're going to love her heart, and I think you're going to love her story. And I met her at an event I was speaking at, uh, and the, the company that had hired me had also, uh, you know, supports their this this charitable organization. And so Debbie and I met, and I immediately was like, "Oh my gosh, we have to have you on the show." So Debbie, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here today and be able to share what we do and why we do what we do. Yeah. So. So your son, uh, Mark Lee, can you just tell us quickly a little, like, who is Mark? Uh, and specifically, what is what was Mark's last letter home? You bet. So Mark was the first Navy SEAL that was killed in Iraq, August 2nd, 2006. He was one of the main characters in the movie American Sniper. Wow. 
And that day, that young man willingly stood up in the direct line of fire three different times, gave his life to save his teammates, gave his life for the freedoms that we enjoy each and every day in America. And I have been a widow for 23 years, but I can tell you that losing a child is the toughest thing anyone could ever go through. But I am so proud of Mark. I'm so proud of the choice he made that day selflessly to give his life. And I had no choice the news that was given to me on August 2nd. I could have plugged my ears. I could have gone la, 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 la and not listened. But that would not have changed the fact that my son had been killed. But I did have a choice how I responded. And my choice was to put on his boots and pick up his weapon and stay in the fight for our men and women who serve. Stay in the fight for other families who've lost a loved one. And I'm not firing bullets at anybody like our troops in combat, but it is a fight to make sure that they're taken care of. I do know the price that's paid for our freedoms, and it is my honor to be able to do this for our veterans and for other families who've lost a loved one. And we started our foundation. So, so hold on. So, t- so take me back a little bit. So, 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 so was, so was he, uh, your only son? He was my baby. I have three children. My oldest son served in the Marines and got out just before Mark was killed. My daughter was married to, um, a captain in the army and, uh, he did one enlistment and then got out. And then Mark was my youngest as a Navy SEAL. So we're a very proud military family and I'm blessed with 10 grandchildren. Wow. Um, and so when you, you know, like, can you take us to that day a little bit? Like, uh, like what, and, and, and explain what was this, the, there was, there was a big, uh, around that time, August, 2000, August, 2006, there was, um, this letter that Mark wrote. What, what, like, what was the letter? Explain that to us. So he actually wrote that letter about two and a half weeks before he was killed and he sent it. I think there was about 12, maybe 15 people on the email thread when he mailed it to us. And an amazing letter. Um, your listeners need to go to our website at americasmightywarriors.org and read that amazing letter. Literally, has inspired millions and millions of people around the world. But when you read that, you just sense the changes that happened to Mark when he was in Iraq and when he was in combat. And he talks about a lot of different things. He talks about what he saw over there. Um, you see how much he appreciates the country that we do live in. And he talks about random acts of kindness, how we could change our world by doing something so simple as a random act of kindness and our reputation as a country. And then he ends that letter with, to my family and friends, do me a favor. Pass on the kindness, the love, the precious gift of human life. And that was not a letter that was supposed to be, if you're reading this, I'm gone. It was just the last communication that we did receive from him in writing. And um, the wisdom, the insight uh, for that young man who was 28 years old when he was killed is absolutely amazing. And to see how God has used that last letter that he wrote to change lives around the world and inspire people. And that's why we started our foundation, America's Mighty Warriors. Mm -hmm. So So he sent that as an email. And then yeah. two weeks later, what, what happened? So did, did somebody call you on the phone or did they knock on the door? Like what, 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 how does that even happen? Well, they were actually um, had our old address up in Oregon and had been trying to find me for about eight hours up there. And I know Mark changed the paperwork. Uh, I know they have my current address <laughs> down in Arizona. Yeah. And again, I see that was God's hand of protection because if they would have found me that morning, I would have been home by myself. 
Um, when they finally realized that I didn't live in Oregon anymore, then they were afraid I was going to find out, you know, on the news, on TV, on the media. And so they sent the local uh, Keiko officer down here to find me. And I was actually at my Bible study at my small group that night. And uh, my neighbor, they knocked on my neighbor's door and she said, well, I don't have her you know, cell phone number, but I know her son where he works. And so they tracked my son down where he was working and he had come to the house, but they wouldn't tell him until I got there. And he called me at the, my Bible study and, and we were actually celebrating my birthday that night. And my girlfriend had given me one of the willow tree angels, and those are the wooden angels with the wire wings, and each one has a character quality. And the one that she gave to me was courage. And little did we know when I received the phone call from my son how much more courage would be required. And I knew the day that Mark left um, my house before deployment, something inside me told me I wouldn't be seeing him again. And I don't know if that was God trying to prepare me, but I don't know how you ever prepare for news like that. But something inside just told me, I'm not a worrier. I'm not a fretter. That is just not my personality. And it's not like every day a black car drove down the street that I would look and say, oh, no, is today the day? Um, I went on with life. You know, I prayed for Mark more than I've prayed for anything in my life. And so when I got that call from my son, um, there wasn't anything in his voice to alert me. He wasn't speaking too fast. He wasn't crying. He wasn't freaked out. And he said, hey, mom, where are you? And I said, well, I'm at my small group. Why? What's up? And he said, how long will it take you to get home? And I thought, well, that's kind of an odd question. I said, I don't know, five minutes, seven minutes. Why? And he said, you just need to come home. And so I knew what was going to face me when I got in that car and drove home. And there was a song from my past. And it said, I put my hope in you, O Lord, trusting you, I will not be shaken. Knowing you will see me through, I put my hope in you. And I just sang that over and over and over. And I got to the main intersection by my house. And as I pulled up, there were probably three or four fire trucks and ambulances and police cars. The whole intersection was literally shut down. And I thought to myself, my house blew up. That's all that's wrong. My house blew up. Mm -hmm. And to this day, I have no idea how I got through that intersection. But as I pulled back into my subdivision, there were no more emergency vehicles. and I knew what was going to face me when I pulled up there. And as I turned the corner, I expected to see a black car parked there. And there were no unusual cars parked there. I just saw my son pacing on the sidewalk. And I got out of the car and he said, Mom, the Navy's here. And you know when they show up at your house that it's not good. They'll call you if they're wounded and get you to wherever they're at. And I just fell on his shoulder and I started crying, no, no. And we walked in and they informed us the Keiko officer had been in the house for a while while they were trying to find me in in, uh, Arizona. And he said, we can tell by being in your home that you're a woman of faith and you're going to need to rely on that faith for what we're about to tell you. Your son, Mark Allen Lee, has been killed in action. And I said, said the most devastating news anyone could ever receive. But at that moment, I was confident. I knew God would see me through. I had studied his character. He'd walked me through death before. And um, he has given me amazing strength to be able to do, you know, what we do and to carry on and to help so many other families that have lost a loved one. And um Again, to see how God has used that letter that Mark wrote that he had no clue. It starts out, some men seek glory. Others find it stumbling on them, not expecting it to find them. 
And Mark wasn't seeking glory. It found him in more ways than one. I mean, he's the believer and he's in heaven today, but he is in glory. But uh, just amazing how God will prepare you for wherever he asks you to walk. Sometimes it may not be you know, a lifetime ahead. I, you know, I speak publicly. I share Mark's story. I've never had any debate classes, any public speaking. I used to be terrified to speak in front of people. And so God will give you the strength you need when he asks you to walk somewhere. And through all the different circumstances, we've had a lot of tragedies and trials in our life that God prepared me to have deep compassion and understanding for others who are going through struggles and to give them the courage to continue to fight, whether it's health, whether it's financial, whether it's struggles in your business, that if you just have that courage and stay strong, you know, I think of the courage that it took for Mark to stand in the line of fire that day when he could have stayed below the wall. Tell me about that part of it, Debbie. Was you mentioned that there were there were there were? Do you know much about that? Of what there were? I guess you said there was just three moments that day. Yeah, actually, it was the day that he died. It was a hundred and fifteen to one hundred and twenty degrees. They had been an intense firefight for two hours. They had been fighting. I live in Arizona, and sometimes we see one hundred and fifteen, one hundred and twenty on rare instances. But nobody's out there doing anything. You're in your air conditioned house or in your swimming pool. So to have it be 115, 120 degrees, to be fighting for two hours, Mark carried the big gun, the M60. So he carried anywhere from 150 to 180 pounds in addition to his own weight. Combine those three things together. I've been over to Iraq twice. I've been out on patrol with the first or the fourth calf several times. I wore the body armor. So I've had a glimpse for, you know, a, a normal civilian to see what it's like. But I wasn't carrying a weapon. I wasn't being fired on when we were out there. And so to try to understand how they do that, and Mark's buddy Ryan, there were four seals on a rooftop, and Ryan had been severely injured. The bullets had hit his weapon, so he had severe shrapnel injuries to the head, and he fell to the ground. Two of the seals dropped to their knees to help Ryan. Mark could have made that very same choice, but his choice that day was to stand up in the direct line of fire. He had the big gun. He was hoping he could lay down some suppressive fire and get the medic up to the roof. And the medic successfully got up there and he took one look at Ryan and he said, we've got to get him out of here immediately. There's no chance for survival. So not just once, but then a second time all by himself, he stood up in the line of fire again to provide that cover so they could get down off of the roof. That's the same place where Ryan had just been shot. So the enemy had eyes on them. They knew where they were and they all successfully got down off of the roof. They sent Ryan off for medical attention and they climbed in their Bradleys and they headed back to that godforsaken base. And um, they got there and they started to rip off their gear and found some water to refresh themselves. And the chief came in. He said, We just found 30 of the insurgents that just attacked us. That they had just been out. They had just done their mission. On the other side of their base, I've been over there. There was a Marine base. They could have called for some Marines that were fresh and hadn't been out in battle. But that's not who these warriors were. And Mark looked at his chief and he said, Roger that. Let's go get him. So they climbed in their Bradleys and they headed back into Ramadi. They cleared several houses and they went in the last house Mark would be in. And they cleared the bottom of the house and they started up the steps. And they heard Mark yell, on me. And the guys knew what he was saying. He was saying, I got the lead on this. You guys follow me. 
and as they went up those steps, they drew fire through a window. And for the last and final time, Mark made the choice again to stand into that line of fire. He didn't drop below the wall. He didn't hide and let half his platoon be killed. He stood in the line of fire and gave the gift of life to each one of those men and to their families. And as I said before, I miss Mark deeply. We just had the 11-year anniversary of his passing, and you do learn ways to cope. You do learn ways to manage the grief, and God has given me amazing strength, but I still miss him every single day. But I think of the choices he made and how he's changed this world, and he was redeployed to heaven. I will see that kid again one day. <laughs> uh, yes, amen. And, and you know, like, it's it's interesting to me, Debbie, to hear, you know, you talk with so much courage and, and honor and reverence uh, for your son, and then uh, also, uh, obviously the work that you're doing now. But if somebody is going through a tragedy right now, and maybe it's not losing, maybe it is, is losing a family member or something, or maybe it's it's something else. It sounds like you've you've been through a couple tragedies in your lifetime, and and uh, you know I guess this one being uh, you know perhaps the most salient. Um, um, how do you rebound from that? How do you? I mean, you have that moment where you're coming home and you have all these fire trucks and your son's there and you hear the news, and then you know obviously now today you're out. Uh, fighting this battle to to help other families deal with it. But there's some grieving period in there or there's some transition period. If you're going through that, how, how do you get through that? What do you what do you say to somebody? And and I guess I guess because America's Mighty Warriors is supporting specifically supporting families of the fallen, um I guess you, you've you've had to be there. You must have had to be there in some of those moments for for uh, some of the people that you support. Yes, we've been there for way too many funerals, and it's difficult. I mean, the first one I did was only seven weeks after Mark died, and it was the same cemetery, the same casket, everything. You know, it was another Navy SEAL that we lost, and it was painful. It was just like reopening that wound. The only thing now I knew seven weeks ahead of this family, I knew what it was like to receive that folded flag. I knew what it was like to try to proceed. And I think for me, just an example of that would be the night that we were notified that Mark had had died. Uh, My oldest son met his wife in Okinawa, and she was over in Japan. Uh, She'd gone home for six weeks to visit her family. He decided he wasn't going to tell her she was pregnant, and she had just lost a, a baby at five and a half months along the year before. So he felt like that was best to not tell her. And uh, he said, I'm going to stay at your house tonight, Mom. I said, thanks, son. He said, I'm going to go try to get some sleep. And I said, okay. And I knew. I knew sleep was not an option for me. And I just wanted somebody to hold me and tell me it would be okay. And as a widow, I didn't have a spouse. But I knew that God had promised to be a husband to the widow and a father to the fatherless. And I knew that. I seen him do that over and over. I'd memorized that scripture, and I knew that comfort that I needed was going to come from him. And so I went and opened my Bible that night, and God led me to Psalms 27. That's exactly where it opened, and it said, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? 
When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and my foes, they stumbled and they fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me. And I'm reading this thinking, God, you could have written this to me for the circumstances I'm facing today. And the second to last verse said, I would have lost hope if I had not believed I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. And he will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. And that was that same theme he was giving me. I'd received the courage angel earlier in the night. And so when he led me there, I was reminded it was courage that I was going to need. And I would not want to walk through any circumstances without God being my rock, being my strength. And so I always encourage people whenever you're going through struggles, that's the first place you want to make sure you've got that relationship secure. But then you have to allow yourself to go through grief. It's a process. You don't heal and get to, you know, not that I ever came back to a place of, you know, a normal life before losing Mark, but you pass through the majority of the grief by walking through it. And as I walked through it at different stages, helping other people was, I think, what made a major turning point. So I always encourage people, if you're struggling Go find something to do, whether it's volunteer at a soup kitchen or read books to kids in a, you know, preschool or kindergarten or, you know, help the homeless or wherever. Do something for somebody else, because when you're going through grief, it is so deep and it is so hard. You hurt so bad. There were times I physically felt my heart was broken, not just emotionally. And when you're focusing on others and helping others You're not looking inward and not that you're pitying yourself because that's part of grief to go through that and you can't avoid it. you got to go through it. But um, for me, you know, those are the two major things that helped to, you know, to be able to learn those ways to cope, to learn ways through to manage. And you do prepare for those days of grief. You know, we just had the um, 11 year anniversary of on August 2nd. So I planned to be out doing random acts of kindness, like Mark talked about in his letter. What a better way to honor him, you know, than accept that challenge of the random acts of kindness. And we did 40 of them. My assistant director went with me. And so Mark says in his letter, when's the last time you paid for a stranger's cup of coffee or a meal or a tank of gas? So we did those very things for 40 different individuals that had served in the military or Gold Star families. And so then it was uplifting, you know, a positive approach to remembering, you know, the sacrifice from 11 years before. Well, and that's, it's interesting I didn't really put that together until just one second ago when, you know, I asked you how to get through grief and basically you said God was first and then, and then, and then giving was the second or serving, which is exactly what Mark's letter was about, about serving and kind of the random acts of kindness. Like that is, that is the instruction. Um, and that's so powerful. Uh, and one thing I know I'm going to do for sure after this, Debbie, is I'm going to drive around. I'm going to follow you every time you go to Starbucks or any drive through <laughs> make sure I'm the person right behind you. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, in all seriousness, so um, uh, just really quick, I, I, we're, we're kind of running sh- short on time as I, I knew it would go fast. This is such, a, such an amazing story is... Um, 
Tell us a little bit. So what exactly is America's Mighty Warriors and where, where do you want people to go to learn, learn more about that service that you've, that you've started in, in uh, courageous response to what happened to your son? You bet. So we have four main programs that we do. Uh, we do retreats in Texas for our Gold Star families, which is a family who's lost someone in combat, and our Purple Heart families. We have a house in Arizona called the Heroes Hope Home where families of the fallen can come stay for free and we just love and pamper on them the entire time they're here and let them know we'll never forget, you know, wow. your love who gave their life or we'll never forget you. We do we have a program called Helping Heroes Heal program and with that our veterans who are struggling with TBI and PTSD we're paying for hyperbaric oxygen therapy treatments, hormone therapy, vitamin therapy. Um natural things that will restore their body. So many of our veterans are going to the VA, coming out with gallon-sized baggies filled with prescriptions. Two-thirds of them say may cause suicidal tendency, and we wonder why our suicide rate is so high. Um, we also do those random acts of kindness, and it can be anything from the the small things Mark talked about, the meal, the tank of gas, um, up to a $5,000 grant. So if there's a family that's struggling, our veterans can't come ask. Typically, the ones who need the help won't ask. And unfortunately, we have found those that will just go from charity to charity trying to see what they can take. And so if you knew someone you could refer them to us, we would still vet them. But then if there's a crisis situation, um, you know, they've just had a child die of cancer or their house burnt to the ground. It's not always crisis. We just did one Monday night. We've got uh, one of our SEAL, SEAL teams deploying. And so we took that whole team and their children to a Build-A-Bear. And the kids got to um, Build-A-Bear. Daddy recorded a voice message for them and that goes in that bear. Oh. They can push a button anytime while Daddy's gone and hear his voice. Um, so those are the random acts of kindness that we do. And then advocacy and education. So if there's an injustice against the troops, then we'll step in and try to make that right. Whether it's corporation, whether it's our government, you'll find us on the halls of Congress, often trying to change things for our veterans. And uh, we're honored to be able to do that for them. And they can go to our website, and it's America's Mighty Warriors, uh, org is our website. And you know, you can help support us so we can continue our mission. 90% of what comes in goes back to the troops and their families. Or if you're a Gold Star family or veteran that needs our help, please reach out there as well. There's lots of merchandise. There's, I think, eight books on there that tell Mark's amazing heroic story. Um, there are resources out there that for our veterans struggling with PTS and TBI that we can actually provide healing uh, for your brain there. It is not just emotional struggles that you're going through and that there's hope and we can help. Thank you. God bless. <laughs> wow. Wow. Right. Um, what an amazing story of courage and selflessness and service and sacrifice and honor and glory and, and, and so many things. And unfortunately the recording got a little bit messed up right there at the end. So we had to cut like just a minute from it, but you, you heard most of it and, what an amazing uh, man Mark was, and uh, what an amazing woman Debbie. Um, it just it just boggles my mind how people can come through that with such strength. And um, you know, one of the parts that got cut from the interview, she said right at the end, and I didn't even know. Like she 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 dropped it in at the very very end. Was she she had mentioned earlier in the interview that she was a widow um, of twenty three years. Well. She, um, what she didn't say earlier that she said there at the, at the end, which we had to cut out is that her husband actually committed suicide 23 years ago. 
And so this is a woman of tremendous uh, faith and tremendous strength. And um, it, it does give me hope to, to, to know that people like her are out there and what they've been through and to, and to hear her attitude and perspective and to see the work that she's doing, right? Like she's, 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 she's moving that, that anger and that pain and that sadness into, into service. She's moving it into work, moving it into action to, to do something meaningful for other people. And, you know, that's what I, I love about the story of, of her son, Mark, uh, as you, as she mentioned, you know he was one of the main characters in um, the movie American Sniper, and I think what is so powerful is is learning the real life story of this guy and this letter that he wrote. Uh, I mean, it's it's referred to as Mark's last letter home. I mean, it was literally the last letter that he wrote home. Is amazing because he's talking about all of these principles, these 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 principles of of selflessness and of service and of sacrifice. And I think that it, it's so powerful to sort of see that here you have somebody talking about these ideals, not knowing that they're uh, they're going they have their their time on earth. Is limited, and then he actually died living out these ideals just a few weeks, a few weeks later. And so, you know, when I think about how to translate this toward to you, right, and to me, and how does this apply to our life? Because um, most of us are probably not ever going to stand on the kind of battlefield that Mark stand on, and his, you know, his buddies and his partners and his teammates, um, and and most of us are very lucky that we're not going to ever have to do that. And, um, and hopefully we won't have to go through the kind of grief that Debbie has gone through losing a husband and then also losing a child. Um, but we're probably going to have to go through some type of grief. I mean, at some point in our life, we're going to have to experience it. And I think what is so powerful is, you know, to learn from, from Debbie, there's so many lessons to learn in how we can process grief and what we can, how we can make our way through challenging circumstances, how we can make our way through the tough parts of life, how we can make our way through the dark days. And, and what are some of the strategies, if you want to call them that, that will help you get through that and help the people that you know get through that? Because all of us sooner or later are going to deal with grief. All of us are going to deal with dark times, all of us are going to deal with challenges, and they're going to they're going to look different. But you can be certain that you're going to get there. And there's two key responses that I see in Debbie's story, and um, also in the story of several other people who I think have have gone through these difficult, turbulent times and come out healthy on the other side because that's when you go through grief right that that is it's a decision point and our uh, the 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 indulgence of uh, there's so many indulgences that that can can come into play right like there's there's an, a chance to get into addictions and uh, to you know to 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 drop into despair and and hopelessness and that in some ways is kind of an indulgence that's the natural thing that we do it's 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 sort of the escalator. It's not. I don't think it's easier. I mean, it's it's harder, frankly, right? It's much harder to go through those things. I just mean that it's it's kind of the natural. If if we leave our mind to its own devices, 
when we experience pain, we will tend to gravitate towards hopelessness. We would tend to gravitate towards substances, towards anything that is a short-term release of that pain or that anger or that sadness. There's two key elements here that I think apply to me and to you and to anyone that is going through grief. And so the first one is to extend your perspective, right? In these moments, in these darkest, darkest moments, in the moments of challenge, in the moments when your back is up against the wall, when you're broken, when you're in despair, when you are hopeless, the, the, the key intentional choice, or one of the two biggest ones here, um, is that you have to extend your perspective. You have to think longer term. You have to get outside of today because in those dark moments, it seems like you're never, it's never going to end. It seems like you're never going to get through it. It seems like there's, that, that, that it's going to go on forever. It seems like what you're experiencing right now is how it's going to always be, but that's not true. That's not true. Uh, it, it, things uh, you you may never 100% have wounds that heal and forget that pain but things will get better as debbie said there is hope um but if you if you reduce your perspective to that here and now if you allow yourself the indulgence to sit in that moment then what happens is is you lose hope because there's no room for light to come in it's only dark it's only pain it's only hurt but when you extend your perspective you start to see things differently. You start to see that there is the chance of hope. You start to see that there's the possibility of a reason why this happened, that there, there is, there's the possibility of, of meaning and, and of significance to why this happened and how you're going through it. Our ability to have peace is directly proportionate to the term of our perspective. See, we mistakenly think that if we had more money or more time or more fame or more notoriety or or more influence, we think that those things would give us peace. And, and in some ways, maybe some of those things can, but they are not really what give us peace. What really gives you peace is having a longer-term perspective because any problem— in relation to today is a big problem. But any challenge or problem in relation to our lifespan is a smaller problem. And any problem in relation to eternity is no problem. The size of the problem doesn't change, but the term of your perspective does. And the longer the, the term of your perspective, the smaller that that problem seems. And I don't mean smaller like it's, it's less painful or that it's, it's, it, it, it makes less of a difference. I mean that it actually makes more of a difference because you can start to see like maybe there's a way that this matters, right? Like maybe the pain that you're going through has nothing to do with you at all, but maybe it's, a, it's preparing you for the person that you need to one day be for somebody else right? Like here, we now have this story, Mark's story, Debbie's story, reaching tens of thousands of people. Um, and, and who knows? I don't know who's listening to this um, or, or who you know, but, 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 but maybe your life, what you're going through, we often internalize that pain as, oh, it's happening to me. But maybe it's preparing you for the person you need to be some, for somebody else. Or that your message, you know, in this case, Mark's message is reaching 
in out into the world and you know the various books and the movie and and all that sort of stuff the second thing that you can do to help you get through grief and debbie is is the prime example of this and and mark is the prime example of this is to serve it's to serve as she said it's it's to get outside of yourself to focus on others and not look inward and that's so hard right because the the pain is so real the darkness hurts so bad the the anger is is it's 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 so visceral and yet in that moment you make an intentional choice to either indulge in that and soak in that or to or to leverage that and to channel that and to move it into a life of service, to get outside of yourself, to take that pain and go out and use it for good. Because you, as she said, she had no choice about hearing the news on that day, but but she did have a choice about what she did with it. And she did have a choice about how to channel that energy and how to channel um, those emotions. And she chose to channel it in the direction of service. And that is what Mark's letter was all about. And you have to go read the letter. Um, you know, it's on, on the website of America's mighty warriors.org. And we'll put a link to it in the show notes, but you, you have that, that's, that's what's so amazing, right? Is, is that heroes, heroes are the people that serve right? Like heroes are not the people who will get famous. Heroes are not the people who make all the money. Heroes are not the, 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 the people that, that everybody even knows necessarily. Heroes, legends, heroes are those that serve, those that serve selflessly. And that's, they know that it brings meaning to their life. It brings meaning to their pain, meaning to their tragedy, meaning to their setback, to focus on serving. There is something powerful about serving others. And that's what Mark's whole call to action was, was these random acts of kindness to go out and serve people and love people. But the the part that is so powerful, again, about Mark's story is he was talking about it, right, in this letter. But then he lived it two weeks later. He went out and he lived it. And that's what I want to invite you to do and to encourage you to do and to challenge you to do is to is to go out and live that service. And so I figured I would wrap up with just a couple of the words that were from from his 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 letter. And this is what Mark said. He said, "What I do over here is only a small percent of what keeps our country great. I think the truth of our greatness is in each other." Purity, morals, and kindness passed down to each generation, generation to generation through example. So to all my family and friends, do me a favor and pass on the kindness, the love, the precious gift of human life to each other so that one day when your children come into contact with a great conflict, when they come into the kind of conflict that we are now faced with here in Iraq, that they are people of humanity and pure motives and compassion. Well, that about wraps up the Action Catalyst podcast for this week. If you haven't yet, please log in to whatever your favorite medium is to listen to the show and both rate this podcast and leave a comment as that helps new prospective listeners determine if the show's really a good fit for them. 
If you enjoy this podcast, please make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and screenshot this episode to share with your friends on social media. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Action Catalyst and subscribe to our video podcast on YouTube. Thanks for listening.